0: Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insight podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development. And recently, QIC's global real estate team announced a market-leading commitment to achieve net zero carbon emissions for its core Australian retail assets by 2028. This is certainly an ambitious target and puts QIC on the map for sustainability in the Australian retail sector. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Michael O'Brien, who is the Managing Director of QIC's Global Real Estate Team, who has come onto our QPod to share with us the pathway to achieving net zero carbon emissions, what it looked like, and what this target will mean for our Australian retail real estate portfolio going forward. Welcome, Michael.
1: Hi, Craig. Great to be with you.
0: Fantastic. It's great to have you on as well. And the announcement you made this month, of course, has been very well received. Michael, when I reflect on our core retail assets, such as Castle Towers here in Sydney, Robina up in Queens, and of course Eastlands down in Melbourne, they are large pieces of infrastructure with significant energy needs. Could I start by getting, getting you to give us a bit of a sense of their scale and also the associated operating needs?
1: Yeah, for sure, Craig. I mean, we have, uh, as you know, a number of uh, very large uh, regional shopping centres along the east coast of Australia, um, they are very big. They're generally relatively low rise, but occupy very large tracts of land. And in fact, the, the total area is about 1.3 million square metres. So that's about 130 football fields, to kind of put it into context. So, um, and they are big consumers of energy. So shopping centres in Australia account for around 36% of commercial building energy consumption. So they are big energy users. So it's really important that we limit, you know, the energy use and their uh, carbon emission. And we, you know, we've been working really hard on that. Um, We've got some terrific programs in place. We've uh, recently announced a rollout of solar, uh, solar panels across a a sort of initial tranche of the larger assets um, in partnership with uh, Eureka, which is a subsidiary of Energy Queensland, which we're really excited about. Uh, and that's really a cornerstone to our zero net emissions target of 2028, which, as you say, is quite ambitious, but we've, we've done a lot of work and we're very confident we can get there.
0: And we are talking about a substantial operating costs before. So, Michael, would it be fair to say that our goal to achieve being net zero carbon emissions free um, around your
1: core retail assets by 2028 has a direct commercial benefit as well? It, it really does, Craig. And, you know, it's, I mean, we take our corporate responsibility in the communities that we, we serve with our retail assets really, really seriously. Uh, it's, a, it's a big responsibility and we're really happy to have it. But um, as we've worked through this, uh, particularly given electricity costs have risen substantially over the last you know several years the commercial benefits in minimizing energy consumption you know reducing electricity and gas usage in particular is very compelling and so you know it's really it's kind of a no-brainer it's important for us to do it as a responsible corporate citizen it's it's important that we demonstrate that we're doing that to the, in the communities that we serve but the commercial benefits are, are very significant for the unit holders in our funds that invest in these assets. So um, it's a wonderful kind of combination, I guess, of benefits that we're we're achieving here, and the range of kind of commercial benefits sort of go across the installation of you know the solar rollout, and our shopping centres are supremely geared for that because we have so much roof space. So many car parks we can use to um, install uh, car park solar shading. And also, you know, through things like uh, LED lighting, uh, building management system upgrades to, to more efficiently modulate the use of energy from our energy infrastructure across the assets. There's so many ways that we, we can lower that energy consumption and save, save that cost. Which we which benefits our unit holders, but also benefits our retailers very importantly as well.
0: Yeah, wonderful. And I was going to get a little bit further into that community benefit you mentioned later on. So uh, we'll get back to that in a second. Um, some of the things you just mentioned there, though, is where I want to sort of focus a little bit further on because we are not alone, and as an industry, a number of our real estate peers have also announced similar targets. Although i found that they've been typically targeting that twenty thirty range. So what's critically that's critically important, of course, for that pathway to achieving net zero emissions we've set a more ambitious target, as you mentioned, of being 2028. So I was going to ask you to outline for us how you read that particular target date and the challenges in achieving this milestone and what this additional two years means in terms of environmental impact.
1: Yeah. And I, I think part part of it is the fact that we have assets that can generate so much electricity through solar. So that's That's a significant benefit that we have in owning, you know, a large portfolio of retail assets with the kind of land or the the building mass that we have. So that puts us, I guess, in a comparatively better position than some other perhaps landlords that don't have that kind of retail asset breadth. But we've done a lot of work on this is kind of work that's been happening over a number of years. Um, We've done a lot of work on reducing our energy consumption already and we've made significant strides in that. So when we've done the modelling around the impact of the solar rollout across the portfolio, the work that we've already done on installing LED lighting, which has a significantly lower consumption kind of load than uh, you know historically the type of lighting that has been used, particularly around the car parks. We've done a lot of work around uh, potential for battery storage as well. Uh, And that's kind of, you know, sort of fairly nascent, but we think that there's significant opportunities to roll that out as well. And then when we look at the work that we've done with the technology that we're using to sort of modulate the energy systems that we're using through the assets to make them more efficient, uh, and we have, you know, kind of platforms and technology that allows us to do that, we, we felt that we could achieve that 2028 target and that's something that we're very confident we can do. We've done the modelling. It is quite ambitious, as you say, but we we think we've we've already made significant progress, and we feel very comfortable that we can we can hit it. And it's something that we um you know we've got a, a very close relationship with the uh, CEFc, who have provided um, some initially some some debt to our QIC shopping centre fund, uh, but have subsequently come in with a, an equity investment into that vehicle as well and you know that was one of the attractors for the clean energy finance corporation is the fact that we we've done a lot of work around this kind of zero net emissions target and our confidence in achieving it uh, and the fact that we could achieve it by 2028 i think that's a relationship and a partnership that we can hopefully expand further
0: yeah of course clean energy finance corp and qic sort of put together that green bond only recently and one of the things i found quite interesting michael is that i think it was by 2025 i was reading that we expect around to have 30% of our portfolio's consumption coming from renewable-based solar generation, which is you know, amazing. The other thing I read, which I thought was just incredible because the numbers are just huge, is when you look at the CO2 reductions achieved through that Eureka partnership mentioned before, I think it was something like 18,000 tonnes of reduced carbon emissions being saved by QIC and Eureka. So just you know, phenomenal numbers there uh, when you think about the the amount of impact that are going to have in that period of time.
1: So that just, just moving from 2030 to 2028, we're accelerating the the yearly average reduction by 1.7 kilos kilograms of carbon emissions per square meter. So when you when you look at that across a sort of a one over a one million per square meter you know portfolio, uh, you just get a, a bit of a sense of of the magnitude of that two year acceleration of the, of the target.
0: Fantastic. We've also recently been hearing that the world's central banks, including our own RBA, have been really recently committing to a a network for greening the financial sector via their um, scenario modelling. And it made me sort of think about our own sort of modelling here at GRE, Michael. When your team was modelling ahead of this announcement, what level of carbon reductions did you discover? And how were these savings identified? You mentioned earlier that battery storage and LED lighting. So, of course, this is not just about solar.
1: No, it's, it's not... Just about solar is probably the most significant component of it, Craig, but there's a lot more that we're doing in how we're managing, particularly our HVAC and our lighting through our building management systems that significantly reduces our consumption. And we've actually reduced our energy consumption by 10% just through the work we've done pre the solar rollout over the last couple of years. So, you know, we've done things like install 26,000 LED lights as part of our lighting efficiency project. We've embarked on a significant upgrade of our building management systems uh, and we're seeing savings realised through that program. And when, when you look at the savings that we're generating, a big chunk of that goes directly to our, our unit holders and the funds because it's an operating cost saving. But also uh, the benefit flows to our retailers as well. So they share in those operating savings costs. you know. So that's a, that's a significant benefit for them. We're really mindful that we have a responsibility to those retailers to not only provide them with the most environmentally friendly energy, but also the lowest cost energy that we can generate as well.
0: Mark, I want to pick up on the unit holder comment you just made then. Of course, this week, HESTA, a major Australian superannuation fund, announced that they'd reduce their carbon footprint by 33% by 2030 and have also set a net emissions target by 2050. They became just the 24th pension fund globally to join the Net Zero Asset Owner Alliance. At QIC's recent CEO Roundtable event, it was also clear that other funds are looking to support a green recovery. And we're expecting more Australian superannuation funds to match HESTA in their 2050 targets. So having undertaken this work yourself across an extensive and diverse uh, retail portfolio. For those funds who are currently on this journey, what advice would you provide them as they look to meet the objectives of the Paris Climate Agreement?
1: I think measure, um setting targets is, can be really powerful. You can be doing an enormous amount of really good work, but actually measuring the benefit and setting targets beyond what you've achieved is crucially important. So. You know, I think that's the benefit of of the target that we've set. It really drives us to achieve that, but even do better than that. You know, it's great to see Hester setting that kind of target as well. So measuring and, and just having that motivation to keep achieving your targets and exceeding them, I think is really important. Leadership and sort of a cultural embracing of being responsible, being sustainable, being really environmentally conscious, you know, understanding the impact of climate change, you know trying to get ahead of it you know i think all of that is crucially important it's so much a cultural mindset and i think we have that very much at qic you know and that's incredibly important because the people who are who are operating the assets the people on the ground the people who are developing the assets if they're thinking constantly about how do we make this asset the most efficient it can be with the lowest amount of carbon emission and fully kind of buying into the the sustainability strategy that we have across the group, you know, then you're going to achieve really, really good outcomes. And I think we're we're a long way down the road. We've, we've certainly got more work to do. We're not certainly not there yet. It's an ongoing thing. But I think, um, you know, we've made some really significant kind of cultural strides uh, in this area, and I'm really proud of the team. The team is doing a, a wonderful job.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And of course you sort of set the start there around measures and I know the team's been on this journey now for a little while. Uh, whilst it's only been announced in June, it's been, you know, in the wings and being worked on for quite a while before that. I also want to pick up on that comment you made then around culture because when you look at the fact that we're you know uh, discussing through our leasing arrangements and things like that with a lot of different companies, we're of course you Know having impact there as well. So, when I think about that, GRE has been embarking on that evolutionary sort of town centre and mixed use strategy under your leadership over these resale assets. Am I right to presume, Michael, that our net zero emissions announcement has also got a strong leadership component to it in the many communities in which we operate? Um, does this have an anticipated flow on effect as a, as a landlord of choice?
1: I think it really does, Craig. I think you know, our retailers are becoming increasingly conscious of um, operating sustainable businesses, you know, and we, we have those discussions with them, you know, and, and how we can support them in that. You know, Woolworths, for example, I think they were the first company in Australia to issue a green bond. You know, they've done some terrific work, as have a lot of the other larger retail, retailer organisations, but some of the smaller ones as well. And it's actually really interesting and exciting to hear the journey that they're on. But they, they are very keen for us to provide them with energy that they see is sustainably responsible and, and green. And so the work that we're doing here definitely uh, is appealing to retailers. When we're talking to them about space, they want to not just lease the space, they want to understand the experience the QIC is offering to them as a partner. And so I think, it, you know, it's a really good point. You know, we, we do see our, our retailers as partners and this, you know, the, our effort around sustainability and, you know, the responsibility that we have, particularly to lower our carbon emissions, we take very seriously and they respond really well to that.
0: Thanks, Michael. And there's also that social aspect, as you sort of mentioned, which is, of course, really important for our investors at the moment. Michael, thank you for walking us through the targets that you and your team have set yourselves. And it's certainly an exhilarating time for QIC and GRE, particularly given the investor support and that community impact that you mentioned before. I'm really looking forward to having you back onto the QPod if you'll, if you'll come on board to hear about the advances your team are making over the next eight years coming up. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, please reach out to your QIC Relationship Manager. Thank you for listening. Please look out for our next QPod and have a wonderful week ahead.